0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. All righty. Uh, thanks, Brom. That was so, so good. Because I believe that that's actually what the Lord wants to do. He wants to sustain us. He wants to show each one of us individually his specific care. And even when you've got nothing, he can still care for you. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, we, we don't take time to, to focus around, you know, the offering and tithes. Because we're trying to get your money. For those of you who've been with us for some years, you will know our heart. Uh, If you just come one Sunday, you might think, oh, all we're after is your money. Stick around for a while and, and you'll understand what this is about. This is about us coming into alignment with everything that we are so that we might live a life that pleases Him. And one of the most tangible ways in which we demonstrate our priorities is how we steward our finances. <clears throat> Daryl, it's you and me this morning. I don't know about the rest, but it's just it's just you and me. Are you with me? Yeah. You know. Um, so, Daryl, here's the amazing thing. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But just as a reminder, you know, it's always good to remind ourselves. You know, because we can say, Lord, I trust you. We, we can say it, but then we hatch another plan just in case God doesn't come through. And and, and I believe that, that the Lord is, is using different scenarios to actually grab hold of our attention that we can see for ourselves what we really believe. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes God does it in a season of abundance, and sometimes he does it in a season of apparent lack, and it's all about your heart. And, and to Daryl, the Apostle Paul, it was amazing. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the amazing thing is that was a money chapter. It was amazing. He was saying, I can do all things money-wise through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context. And the whole, the verses leading up to that is about contentment. And he's thanking the guys who sent him a, a, a gift. And he says, you know what, look, I'm not looking for more of your money. This would be a good time, Daryl, for me to say to the people, we are not looking for more of your money. The motive was not, oh, I'm trying to manipulate you to give more money. That wasn't Paul's motive at all. He said, no, I'm looking that something's going to be credited to your account in heaven. When Jesus said, do not store up on earth where there's rust and there's moth and thieves and all these kinds of things, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It was a command. It was an instruction. Jesus actually meant something. It wasn't store up warm, fuzzy feelings in heaven. (laughs) And so, Paul, in this whole thing of being content, he's talking about the gift and he says, I'm not looking for more, but I'm looking that something is going to be credited to your account in heaven. Your treasures in heaven account. It's amazing. And so through generosity, we're able to participate because we know God's character. That's the wonderful thing, Daryl. When we become like our father and we walk in his footsteps, we behave like him. He's a generous God. We become generous. We become like our father. It's amazing. And so Darryl Paul got this thing. He did. He said, Listen, whether I've got plenty or whether I've got little, I have learned. I have been trained. God has trained me to become content, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little. It's all about the heart. Am I grateful? amazing yeah so that's what brahm why i like what you said there it was really good yay listen we get conditioned by what we read in the newspapers online newspapers whatever it is we we get conditioned by all these other you know bits of information around finance and wealth and all these kinds of things well, how about we get a kingdom perspective on our finances? Oh, we shouldn't talk about money in church. Really? Where did Jesus position, position himself in the temple? He went to the offering box. And he starts making comments with the 12. Yeah, see how much they put in. Hmm. Wow, did you hear that? It was sounded like the jackpot clink, 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 Don't be impressed by that. Jesus saw right through, this person was making a show of their giving. They took a little bit of money, turned it into lots of small little coins, so that the coins would make a lot of money when it got into the offering, that people would say, wow, look how much has been given. And Jesus said, listen, out of his vast wealth, it's not. Jesus was right there. Why? Because it's always a test of our hearts. Always. Always. I know it's good, because it's so uh, so hard for people to actually grab a hold of this thing because of fear, fear of lack, fear of being weird, fear of what are they going to do with my money. All kinds of things. is getting quiet in you. This is not the sermon, by the way. We're starting a new tradition here. We, instead of having multiple closes, we have multiple openings. <laughs> Always a test of the heart. Always a test. Jesus spoke so many parables... About stewardship. Two-thirds of the parables. Hello. Good morning. Two-thirds of the parables around stewardship, accountability, money, wealth, riches. Jesus did not have a problem talking about it. Here endeth the first opening. (laughs) I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad that we get to celebrate who God is. And that we can do it with one another. That we do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Because when we do, something happens in a very unusual way. We looked at Ephesians chapter 2 a couple of weeks ago about how we are being built together like, like living stones. We're I'm combining 1 Peter chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 2. We like living stones are being built together to become the dwelling place, the house of, of worship so to speak. There's something unusual about when we gather God's presence among his people. Something is is unleashed in a very different way. Yes, the Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go. But there's something unique about being established, set together. There's a spiritual thing that takes place. And we get strengthened by one another. Even if we can't hug each other, and I will thank you for not hugging one another, Because I'll go to jail according to the law, Government Gazette on the 1st of October of this year. I go to jail if you step on this premises and you hug one another. I go to jail. So for those of you who don't like me, I've just given you a wonderful way to get rid of me. (laughs) Now please... Just be observant of all of these things. But even if we can't hug one another, even if we can't greet one another with a holy kiss, some of you are a little grateful for that. But still, there's something that causes us to be strengthened by the Spirit when we gather with other people of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's let's go for it flat out while we can. Praise the Lord. I've got good news for you. Jeremiah chapter 31 follows from where we've been. Hallelujah. Verse 17. So there is hope for your future, declares the Lord. Did I get the right chapter and the right verse? The Lord declares there is hope for your future. Amen. Some of the translations say there's hope for your descendants. So it can be translated hope for your descendants and they're picking it up from the context because it's about children being restored and the Lord's favor and blessing going from generation to generation and so that you can have hope for the future because your future is, is embodied in the next generation. Your children and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's children. Some of you have heard the song, The Blessing. If you haven't heard it, where have you been? (laughs) And it was this this message of hope that the Holy Spirit set up for the world to hear. That blessing is going to flow from one generation to the next and to the next and because we know that God's blessing is not just going to come to me and stop with me and my line my generation but is actually going to the next generation and even beyond well that's future there's hope And that song went around the world again and again and and so many different nations and churches and different groupings sang it in their own particular way and style. And it was just every, in a sense, every tribe and every tongue was giving voice to this thing of hope that there would be blessing from one generation to the next and to the next. And last Sunday, we, we took a, an overarching look at how God prepared for over 570 years for revival. It was a good message. You should go and check it out. That God set up long before the Assyrians came and sorted out the northern tribes, the Israel. And took them, the Assyrians took them in 740 BC. And then later on we get the, the waves. There were two waves of the, of the northern uh, tribes, the ten tribes of the north called Israel. They were taken off by the Assyrians. And then in about 605, we get the Babylonians. First, first round and then in about uh, 597 and again the last one, 586. Three waves of lockdown where the Babylonians took. God's people, Judah, off into exile in Babylon. But in all of this, God spoke words of hope and life and encouragement through the prophets. And he said, there's, there's coming a greater glory. And of course, the greater glory that stepped into that next temple. I mean, this is, this is, this is remarkable, guys. I'm being fascinated by this, as you might tell. God sends prophetic words through Jeremiah and a bunch of others. And they prophesying they're in Jerusalem. The temple is still standing. The palace is still standing. Everything is there. And he's prophesying that there's going to be another glory that's going to come. There's going to be another wave. There's going to be a returning. There's going to be a rebuilding. The palace is going to stand again. Worship will come. And when Haggai eventually does come all those years later, he said, guys, don't worry. Even though the temple hadn't been built yet, just the foundation was there. He said, the glory of this second house, the latter house, will be greater than the glory of the former, the first house. God's house. And God came to his house, the first one, in a cloud, Solomon's temple. Remember, we spoke about that. Some of you, I'm seeing new faces, and it's really good to see you. Thank you for joining us this morning. But to, just to catch you up, God moved in power when the first temple was inaugurated Dedicated in a sense. You'll notice we didn't dedicate Ben this morning. We presented him to the Lord. Because you know what happened to Samuel when Hannah dedicated him to the Lord? The priest had to look after Samuel for the rest of his days. <laughs> now I'm done with kids right now, so I don't want any more. So I'm dedicating. <laughs> Presenting to the Lord as they did with Jesus. So, God's glory comes in the most phenomenal, powerful way. Solomon's temple. It says that there was this cloud of his glory that filled the place. It sounds pretty supernatural. And it was so strong that the priests were on the floor, they could not stand. It sounds a little bit like a charismatic revival meeting. Yeah. Now, it's exactly the same. And the promise was that even that glory, which was like, oh my goodness, so powerful, the next temple would be even more glorious. And God Himself fulfills something. That he'd promised to do. Back in Genesis chapter 3. It's extraordinary. Sure. I don't know about you. But I'm loving the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just loving all the nuances. Of what God is doing. And how he sets things up. And how he is never taken by surprise. Genesis chapter 1. Chapter Chapter 2. God is walking, he's dwelling, he's tabernacling with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he gives to them a kingdom mandate. Be fruitful, multiply, hallelujah, we were celebrating that this morning. And work and tend and have as many kids as you like. What, so you can all stay in the garden all squashed up? Answer would be no. The answer would be make the whole earth look like Eden. Expand, enlarge. God walks, He spends time communing face to face with Adam and Eve. There's the fall. Right then. God declares his plan. He said, from the seed of woman, one will arise who will crush the head of the serpent. Prophesied in Genesis chapter 3. We get the fulfillment of this in that Unfolding of the kingdom of God, Jesus, he comes in. John chapter 1 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled among us. God came down and the glory, God himself, in the temple, the second temple. A greater glory. This is extraordinary stuff. And then he says. Later on. He says. Tear this thing down. And I'll build it up in three days. Absolutely fried their brains. (laughs) Because they're looking at the stones. And how long it took to build that temple. He said this is not possible. Of course he was talking about himself. Yeah. Yeah. But tear it down, and I will build it up. And you know what? He's still building today. But he's building with us living stones. Oh, so good. I'm a little excited. I'm a little little bit excited about who God is and what he's doing. And how, as in the days when God's people... We're facing the rise and fall of nations. I promised I wouldn't say anything. But we are witnessing the rise and fall of nations. Even this weekend. (laughs) Against the backdrop of all of this stuff. Looking at the exile looking at the warnings that God sent to his people, and looking at the words of hope, life, encouragement, destiny, future, deliverance, restoration, all of these words were spoken when they were in a very difficult time. And I'm fascinated how the world is in a very difficult time. Pretty much the whole globe. And God's word. Still rings out. With tremendous clarity. With life. And hope. To strengthen and encourage. His people. To hear. What God says. Hold on to it. Feed themselves. Be nourished by what God says. Rather than feeding off toxic negativity. You are what you eat. It's a beautiful line in the old Anglican Eucharist. So we feed on him in our hearts with thanksgiving. It's talking about coming to the Eucharist, the, the communion table. Eucharist means to celebrate. Oh. So good. Feed on him. What is he saying? Verse 17. So there is hope for your future. I'm liking this translation. So there is hope for your future, declares the Lord. Guys, we can shut down, go home. That's all we need. (laughs) If we could just get that thing. So, there is hope for your future. Not says John. Not says the church. Declares the Lord. When did this message come? It came. When the second wave of exiles had been removed off to Babylon. Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem. And a whole heap of people have already been carted off into exile. They're in captivity. Things are not going well for them. So he sends them a message. It's going to be a long time. In fact, it's going to be 70 years. So settle down. Build homes. Find spouses for your kids. Pray for the prosperity of Babylon. Because if it's doing well, you will do well. And I'm with you. That's his message. He's still stuck back in Jerusalem. And the Lord gives him words of life and hope and encouragement that are going to keep the people for 70 years. When we have a word from the Lord that zings on the inside, even if the circumstances are opposite, that word will sustain us. Daryl, that was a good word right there. Too often, believers have been weak And immature. Jesus told a parable. You might recall, I mentioned it in one of the earlier phases of lockdown about the farmer sowing the seed. And some of it was in an area where thorns and thistles grew up and choked the word. It says the concerns and even the deceit of life choked the word. And the word is the seed. Jesus explained. And when the word is in our hearts, it germinates. It takes root and begins to grow. Just be careful. Because there are thorns and there are thistles out there that would want to choke the word of God to you. Oh, what's happening to me? Did you see what's happening to the economy? Oh, did you see the unemployment rate? Oh, did you see who else stole the money? Oh, All kinds of things that are concerns, thorns and thistles that would want to choke the word. These things will test you. And God's not afraid of you sitting for a test. Come on. We've kind of, in a humorous way, many times before, said, you know, we're sorry that this church is called Breakthrough, in a humorous way. Because if it's called Breakthrough, it means you're going to have to live up to the name, which means you're going to have to experience some breakthroughs. Which logically means there's some situations that require a breakthrough. Meaning there's some thorns and thistles that you're going to have to face. But take heart. Jesus said, I've overcome. We are called to be overcomers. So when things get a little bit challenging, that's not the time to throw your hands in the air and say... God failed me. He didn't come through. This is no good. No. This is the time to hold on to his word. Lord, these things all around me do not come into alignment with what you've said, what you've promised, what you've planned and purposed. But, love that Daryl. But I trust you. I'm not being led by my circumstances. Five different sermons. Let's just bring it back down here. One of the worst ways you can be led is to be led by circumstances. God's children are not led by circumstances. They're led by the Spirit. The devil can open doors just as much as God can open doors. Not all circumstances are sent by God. That's for a hearing God kind of teaching, but we'll get to that another time. God is wanting us to be led by the spirit and even if circumstances look like plenty or look like little we're still faithful we're content see my first opening was not in vain do I trust you do I give you my all not just when I'm singing the song, but actually do I give you my all. Sometimes the Lord gives us opportunity to live out the things we said. And it's okay. Because he says, I'm with you. So there's hope for your future. Hope for your future. All right. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. Beginning of this, uh, it's actually chapter 30, and uh, chapters 30, 31, 32, 33 is a collection, and it's... uh, It's Jeremiah writing these letters of consolation of to strengthen, comfort, and encourage God's people. And he's writing it in a time, it's about 587, which is the year before Jerusalem got absolutely trashed. God writes some prophetic love letters to his people to strengthen and encourage them that even though they're going to face the complete opposite of everything they'd hoped for, dreamt for, prophesied, prayed into... Come on, this is the generation who'd lived in Jerusalem with the temple standing, Solomon's temple. While it is still standing, God begins to prophesy, hey, this thing is coming down, but don't worry, I will restore again. They were only on phase two of lockdown. There was still another phase to come. There could be many phases of this thing. Don't panic. God's got a plan. And if he can do it back then, the book of Corinthians tells us all these things have been written for us to encourage us and to give us hope. Because if God can do it once, he can do it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alright, so we learn some principles from this. That in the darkest times, and in fact the things were even going to get a little bit tougher. God dropped some of the greatest nuggets of revelation that the world had known. Come on. It doesn't matter what's going on in terms of circumstances, we can still connect with God, we can have revelation, we can have intimacy with Him, we can have confidence and faith in who He is. Because He's doing a one big eternal plan. And I'm written, oh, by God's grace and mercy, into His story. Remember? I'm not the story. It's not about me. By his grace, I've been written into his story. And that's the most remarkable thing. And that as he is working out the battle of all the ages and sorting out everything, Ephesians tells us, until everything is brought into conformity with his will. We're in the until. But we're okay. The graph can do this. And we realize it's better for us to look at what's the trend instead of it's going well, hallelujah. It's going badly. Oh, Jesus is losing. The devil is winning. Jesus, come and get us now. Oh, it's going better. Oh, it's all right. You know, Jesus, you can hang on a bit. My shares are up. Bank balance is fine. Oh, goodness, another recession. Jesus, come now, please. Oh, look, my political party won. Hallelujah. It's okay, Jesus. We got this. We got this, Jesus. Oh, freck, they lost. The ups and the downs, based on circumstances. No, God wants to live us to live differently. Think on things above. God, what are you doing in all of this? You're revealing something. So the first uh, twenty-two verses or so of of uh, Jeremiah chapter thirty. He's basically talking to the northern guys. You know those ten tribes that were taken off by the Assyrians? And he's talking to them. He's saying, guys, I'm going to restore you. I'm going I'm to get you established again. You're going to survive the sword. I'll take care of you even in the wilderness, in the desert. I can sort you out. Not a problem. Because I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. Hello? We love that verse. It's probably on your fridge. <laughs> I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Oh, we thought that verse was given in the most beautiful place of peace and freedom and abundance. No. That word was given to the northern tribes when they were carted off centuries earlier. Sorry. Decades earlier, they were off in Assyria. And God's saying, I have loved you. I've always loved you. And he's reminding them of the covenant from Deuteronomy chapter 7. So I love you with an everlasting love. My covenant to you. I will always love you. And I will always love you. Sometimes God's biggest, deepest, most powerful revelations come in the darkest of days. I'm blown away by that. God reveals who he really is. When you got your back against the wall, there's nothing else. And God says, he comes to his people. They feel they've been rejected. These guys had been wicked beyond wicked. God sent them prophets to turn, repent. Don't do that anymore. I will forgive you. They would not. God says, all right. I love you so much. I'm not going to give up on you. Okay, now we're going for surgery. (laughs) And they got carted off for surgery. And in that place, he says, my unfailing love, my kindness is towards you and for you. Think about the guys who were there in a foreign land, far away from anything that was familiar. As a consequence of all sorts of bad stuff that had gone on, some of them were innocent, of course, yes. But imagine them hearing that word. Well, God, if you really are God, what are we doing here then? Hey? Of course, I'm only talking about those guys. I would never insinuate that any of us would ever think like that. God, it's not fair. Come on. I'm talking to me and us. Sometimes we we, we we temporarily get get drawn away to think the way the world thinks. And then the Holy Spirit comes, he's so good, he's so kind, he says, Now hang on, wait a minute. Let's let's think this way. Heaven. What's going on? Okay. Recalibrate the compass. Okay, now let's get set. I will build you up again, you, virgin Israel. You will be rebuilt. Hang on, hang on. Did you catch that? He prophetically calls them virgin Israel. This is the bunch, he said, you played the harlot. You ran off after other gods. You were defiled. Therefore, I gave you a divorce certificate. Right? Then he says, no. I'm giving you this name. Virgin Israel. Talk about restoration. Talk about reverse of the curse. Talk about prophetically one day you will be given the opportunity to be the bride of Christ. That's amazing. So again, you'll take up your timbrels and you'll go, you'll go and you'll dance with the joyful. You will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when the watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go up to Zion, to the house of our God. I mean, what, what's the significance here? So the watchmen sometimes they would be checking the scenes, the, the, sorry, the, the seasons and the moon and whatever, because there were the, the, the kind of calendar that the Hebrew people used was the, the lunar calendar. And so there were festivals and feasts, and, and, and there was "Is it time to go and worship the Lord? Is it the time for the feast and the festival?" Because they were instructed in Deuteronomy, "Hey, three times a year, I want you to go and have a holiday and have a big feast." And God said, I'm going to take care of you. In fact, it's mandatory holiday time. I want you to go and put on some weight. Yeah? And bring the best. In fact, that was one of the tithes. There were a couple of different tithes. But one of the tithes, not the general tithe, got me, but one of the tithes. They would bring and they would actually eat. They would feast in the presence of the Lord. That's why we love to eat when we get together, yeah? Yeah. So come let us go up to Zion. These guys had set up for themselves their own altar and their own place of worship. And they said, we don't actually have to go down to Zion, Jerusalem. We're going to do our own thing. We will dis- determine how we will worship God. We will <laughs> 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 We will deconstruct a church, and we will now determine how we will worship God. But they've come to their senses. No. Doing it our own way? No. Lord, your way. So we're going to go to Zion now. In other words, they'd turned. They'd repented. They'd changed their way of thinking. They'd abandoned their rebellious ways. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises Heard, make them loud. Come on, breakthrough. Make your praises loud. I think it's really biblical to be loud with our praise and our worship. I'll try that again. Make your praises heard. Mm. Now, your opportunity was nine o'clock, guys. <laughs> See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They, they will pray as I bring them back. And I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble. Because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn. Okay, Once you were not a people, but now we are the people of God. This is the whole thing. We are God's children. We are his people. He is our father. And he's saying, listen, there was a time when I needed to send you off because you weren't acting like my children. But now I'm redeeming you. and say, you are my children. I'll be a father to you. And the lame will come. This is a bit like Isaiah 35. When they will come and they will Rejoice. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap in church. This is not all in nice tidy little rows. Come on, read the Bible. Joyous, noisy celebrations. Hallelujah. All right. Verse 11, for the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. God is saying, listen, these Assyrians might have taken you off. They're stronger than what you are. But actually, an even stronger hand is coming to s- deliver you. Which turned out to be the Babylonians. What did they do? They went and sorted out the Assyrians. And later on, the Medes and the Persians jumped up and sorted out the Babylonians. And that's why Cyrus was able to say, hang on, wait a minute, send these guys back. Why? Because somebody stronger delivered them. They will come and shout for joy. They will come and shout for joy. On the heights of Zion, they will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord. Oh, hang on, wait a minute. This is church. We're all supposed to be like, have nothing. We're all supposed to just one, one set of rags. <laughs> they will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord the grain, the new wine, hallelujah, and the olive oil. The young of the flocks and the herds, they will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Daryl, I will satisfy the priests with abundance. And my people Will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. Man, satisfy the priests with abundance. I'm in. Jesus, why didn't I see this verse years ago? My people filled with my bounty, says the Lord. Hang on. Look around you. It's devastation. We're in level two of lockdown. Jeremiah, are you sure you heard right? Yeah. Don't get our hopes up. No false hope, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, there's another wave coming. There's economic recession, depression. Jeremiah, are you sure? What are you going to do with the word of the Lord to you? It says, "I have plans for you to favor and prosper you. Plans to give you hope and a future." South Africa. What are you going to do with that word? Oh, that can't be for us. Why not? All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. He says, if you turn to me, I will restore you. That's what this is all about. The whole point is, let's turn to the Lord. Whether things are going well, or very tough and challenging, let's turn to the Lord. And it's not about stuff. Mm -hmm, Things come, things go. Hey. You know? It's not about... I want to measure my spiritual maturity by all the things I have. That's a mistake that the old covenant people had. Because there was one way of seeing the blessing in favor of God, because there were the blessings. If you follow in my ways, if you obey me, these blessings will follow you. These things will overtake you. Don't you love that? you just minding your own business. Next thing, a bumper harvest overtakes you. But if you don't obey, then these things, these plagues, will come upon you. So there was a misunderstanding that, oh, if somebody's got a lot, they've got to be blessed. Must be Righteous. That's why the psalmist got this quandary. How come the wicked are wealthy? This is not right. Shouldn't be this way. Okay, so please, it's not about stuff. It's about putting your hope in the Lord. Okay, let me try and do my first closing. (laughs) Do you remember I said that in some of the darkest times, the Lord gives some of his most amazing revelation. Alright. Verse 23. This is what the Lord Almighty says, the God of Israel. That's is what he says. When I bring them back from captivity, an alternative translation is, restore their fortunes. This is in the Bible, guys. God's saying, there's coming a time of restoring. The people in the land of Judah and in the towns will once again use these words. The Lord bless you, you prosperous city. You sacred mountain. People will live together. Weren't we just singing and declaring that this morning? In Judah and all its towns, farmers and those who move about with their flocks. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. This is a promise. I will refresh the weary. If you're feeling a little bit weary, the end of a very difficult year, 2020, it wasn't quite the way we thought it was going to be. We knew it was going to be a hinge year. The Lord told us that. Remember? It's going to be a hinge year. Yeah, The Lord said, I'm going to um, expand and enlarge the kingdom. There's going to be double portion. And this decade is going to see some remarkable things, right? Well, that's still happening, because the decade is still on. Personally, I believe the Lord is setting us up by removing all kinds of other things that we might get refocused, that we're actually at that next level to be able to receive all that He wants. Early on in lockdown, we had this little sort of code kind of talk And this thing of reset, you've heard that word a lot, right? In business, there's going to be a reset. Nations are going to be reset. We call about the rise and fall of nations, all these different things. Systems of this world come crashing down that only the kingdom, eternal things, things that remain will stand. Yeah? So we don't put our hope and our trust in all these things. One of the things that we felt the Lord was doing was that he was positioning his people to rise and shine. And so we said, listen, if one of our business guys was in the business of manufacturing fax machines and your business was now failing, we'll join you in a little prayer meeting as you take out a silver bullet and kill that thing. Because the age of fax machines is gone. Let that business die. Don't try and keep something that belongs to a previous era and try and ask God to bless it so that you can carry it into the next era where there will be no use for it. Actually, this thing of reset has been brilliant so that some things and, and, you know, Whatever things that need to be cut off can be left behind so that you're unencumbered to move into the next thing so that you can receive the double portion. So we look back at this year, look in 2030. When we look back at this decade, we're going to look back and say, Man, we didn't understand what was going on in 2020 at the time, but now that we look back, we're so grateful that there was such a reset, we were able to get a new focus and move in a new direction and we would never have been able to step into what God has got for us if we hadn't gone through that. That's a good word right there. But in all of the shaking, some people really stressed out. It's just uh, watching... This is my, f- how many closings now? How many beginnings did I have? Three. Okay, I forgot one of my beginnings. I'm going to borrow that beginning now. Sean Foyt. So this just amazing, you know, open air praise worship rallies. One of the, that they started early on. Was that they went to the Golden Gate Bridge. in San Francisco, which is a very difficult town spiritually. And they were doing a prayer rally on the bridge. About 400 people rocked up there. And there were uh, traffic police on bicycles riding up and down the bridge, up and down. They said, what are you doing? They said, we are doing suicide watch. Because since the beginning of the lockdown the numbers of people who've jumped off that bridge to their deaths has skyrocketed. So they said, well, we're going to pray. Lord, turn that thing around. Where there's hopelessness, Lord, bring hope. Yeah. Many people facing huge pressure The Lord says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Some of your work colleagues are weary. God's got you there to bring words of life, hope, strength, and encouragement. Yeah? All right. Better miss that closing. Let me go to this closing rather. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will cut a new covenant with the people of Israel, with the people of Judah. This is verse 31. Yeah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. You see the themes there, the virgin Israel? This is the covenant I will cut with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord. Because they will all know, experientially, know the Lord. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. One of the greatest prophecies about what Jesus would do in coming and being the initiator of the new covenant one of the highest points of revelation of God's plans and purposes in the earth. He's speaking to Jeremiah. This is probably about 587 BC. 587 BC, he's prophesying what Jesus would do on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When did this time of enormous, an Everest-type, mountaintop revelation of God's plans and purposes, did it come in a time of great revival, prosperity, ease, and abundance? No. It came in the midst of the most difficult days. What's my point? How many closings is this now? These might be difficult days. Open your eyes to what God is wanting to show you, reveal to you in this time. Because some of your biggest revelation will come in this season. God is working. Maybe not the way you thought. Maybe not the way you hoped 2020 would go. Don't worry about that. We're led by the Spirit, not by circumstance. God's plans and purposes are eternal. He's doing deep things in these days. He says, so. You can have hope for the future. Declares the Lord. these are days hold on to the Lord hope in the Lord he's not abandoned us he's not forgotten us and even if things get worse like the original hearers of this prophetic word through Jeremiah it got worse before it got better hold on Because God says, I will restore. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we stand and can we just thank the Lord? Can we just say, thank you, Lord. The best days lie ahead of us. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all hope, of all comfort. You are the one who has unfailing love. Everlasting love. And your kindness and your mercy, it it just astounds us. And you're reaching into our hearts and our lives, and you're giving us a sense of confidence and hope and anticipation that the best is yet to come. And that you're doing things from one generation to another, and that things are going to be on the up, because your kingdom is an advancing kingdom. And your rule and your reign, even as we were singing this morning, your rule and your reign is being manifested in greater measure on the earth, even in these days. Oh, so we bow before you to acknowledge you are the great king. You are our almighty God. And you are our father. And a father cares tenderly for his children. Thank you. May your name be glorified. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.